You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish, and today we're talking about uh, the fact that winter is coming. I know. You're you're thinking winter's already here. Yeah, it is, but we are on the doorstep of that cold front that I've been telling you guys is coming. It's coming. According to the weather apps that I use on my phone, it's coming in Monday, Martin Luther King Day. However, I I just don't trust the weather apps until we're like a day or two out because they have burned me so many times. It's ridiculous. I don't know how someone can be that wrong in their professional life and still keep their job. I understand that we're trying to tell the future here. I get that. But with all of the stuff they have that can predict all this stuff, somebody's asleep at the wheel. Chris and I tried to go fishing on Friday. And the weatherman said it was going to rain. It could possibly rain till noon. And then things changed the morning of. We were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. We were going to go down there and prep to head out anyway and hope we caught a window between the rain. But the forecast on the on the radar showed rain was going to pass through. Everything was going to be good by around 9 a.m. And even if we did catch a scattered shower after that, it was worth it because the wind was going to drop to like 8 miles an hour. So we launch around 8.30, 8.40. We get a little bit wet on the way out. Right around the time that the radar shows things are clearing up, we start getting pelted with another rainstorm that's nowhere on the radar. And not only that, but instead of the wind dying down, it switches uh, to a northeast and starts blowing 20 miles an hour, sustained. It was absolutely miserable. So we're in pelted with rain. It's blowing 20 miles an hour. It was not fun at all. No part of it. It was so bad that Chris actually called, uh, you know, was the one that kind of threw the towel in early. I wasn't going to throw the towel in because I know, I know that Chris is more diehard than me. He's going to, he'll fish in a hurricane. He doesn't care. In fact, we wouldn't even have gone fishing that day if it hadn't been for Chris because I was looking at the weather going, nah, I think I'll sit this out. And Chris was like, oh, no, I think it's going to be fine. I think we'll be good. But that's one of the things I love about him because we've had some good days going out there and just braving it in the weather. And so we did. It didn't work out. We were out there for about an hour and uh, getting pelted 
we just turned around and came on in. And so weatherman got us again. So I say all that to say, oh, I probably wasn't supposed to, I'm not supposed to tell this on the podcast. I think Chris explicitly asked me not to tell this on the podcast, but it was cold. And so we both had a lot of clothes on. Well, we get back to the dock and as soon as we pull in, Chris says, I've got to pee. And he bails off the boat and and runs up there and goes into my little first floor captain's quarters where I have a bathroom. Well, uh, he comes back out in about five minutes and he's got like a a very uh, a very uh suspect wet spot all down his leg <laughs> like dude what, what happened and he's like i couldn't get my i he couldn't get his zipper undone or he couldn't get his something wasn't functioning properly in it, in the apparatus uh on all of the apparel that he was wearing and he couldn't get his clothes off he ended up peeing through his pants he said he peed through his pants into the toilet. And I don't know how that's even possible to pee through your pants into the toilet. But uh I I went in, checked the uh, the restroom and couldn't find any pee anywhere, but he he dang sure got it all over his front of his pants. So I didn't take a picture because I just thought that was a step too far. Uh, that was a bridge too far. So uh, he had to go home and handle business and take all that off. But but yeah, sometimes, hey, check. I guess we need to add that to our checklist. Check your zippers, folks. Make sure everything's working so you don't get trapped in your own, in your own rain suit. But we got done, and I cleaned everything up, and that was it. Looking at next week, I think, you know, if we can trust the weatherman, which we already know we can't, but right now it's looking like Monday is when it's going to happen. As we speak, today is Monday. I normally record on Wednesdays, but I'm getting ahead of myself today. I'm feeling my oats and knocking off all the stuff on my to-do list and uh, recording the podcast early. So right now it's showing that Monday afternoon, the front is going to come in and We got a northwest wind that's going to blow really hard for a couple hours, and then it's going to switch over to a north wind, and it is going to blow. I mean, like 25, 30. If we get some west in that wind at all, it's going to massively dump the marshes. It's also going to get down to a low of 27 I'm seeing some predictions of 25. That's down around Hitchcock, Galveston. That is that is low enough to I would say low enough to be concerned, but it's going to get up into the uh 40s and then the early the low 50s. Uh not too long after that. So, I'm hoping we don't have like one of those events fish kill events, the freeze, the whole thing. Hoping that isn't the case this time. 
What I typically see with these types of forecasts is that the timing will shift as we get closer. It'll either be later in the evening or earlier in the day. And the temperatures will get warmer as far as what the lows uh, happen. That Now, during the freeze of 2021, that did not happen. It, it actually got colder than was projected. So I don't know. But I knew that this front was coming. It happens every year. It happens, you know, mid to late January is what I've been saying. And here we are, middle of January. It's going to hit smack in the middle of January. And here's what it's going to do to the fishing. It's going to suck the water out. And usually, not always, but the water stays gone for a pretty good while. And the water stays colder um, for a pretty good while, meaning we're going to have a week or two with water temperature lows in the high to mid 40s. And they're going to creep up into the low 50s during the day. And if you have a lot of wind uh, on any particular day, it just tends to keep the fish off of the flats. And you end up having to fish deep water to find them. And when you fish deep water, you have to fish very slow. We're going to enter into that time of year where when you catch a redfish or a trout, they're going to have mud on their bellies. Uh, and so when we get into that time frame, we're going to target deeper areas that have muddy bottoms because that's where they want to go. That's where they're hanging. Uh, that'll be the pattern once we get there. Now, if you're going to fish this week, Thursday was looking great until uh, this morning it showed that we're going to have some cloud cover. Still have very low winds and still have semi-warm temperatures, which still makes it a great day to fish, but it kills uh, a lot of the sight casting opportunities because of the lack of sun. If you have some sunrise silver uh, costas, those are money on those days. I am not, this is not a paid ad. I I bought Chris's pair because he barely ever used them. I use them all the time. Uh, they are great for low light, uh, overcast conditions. I even wear them sometimes in on sunny days because sometimes on a sunny day, if you've got sporadic clouds and they're covering the sun and then uncovering the sun, covering the sun and uncovering the sun, it's annoying because if you're wearing the copper lenses or the blue lenses, uh, your visibility is dampened when the clouds roll in front of the sun. If you wear the sunrise silver all day, you don't have that trouble. And they're, the sunrise silver, in my opinion, are just as effective in full sun as they are with cloud cover. It's you st- it's still killing the glare, and you're still able to see uh, really well. So I love them. I think they're great. They're worth the investment. If, you, if you're one of those folks that you're going fishing, no matter what the conditions are, or hey, you only have X number of days set aside and rain, snow, sleet, or hail, you're going to go, it's a good investment to get uh, the Coast of Sunrise Silvers because they changed the game in that perspective. So Thursday is going to be good. Friday, it looks like the wind's going to pick back up and we've got uh, a front blowing through on Friday, but it's not the front. It's just a front. It's going to drop the temperatures in the low 40s. Highs are going to be in the mid 50s. Uh, it's just going to 
there's not a whole lot to write home about it unless we get a lot of northwest wind and the water dumps early. So I've seen this happen before. You get a front come through like the one on Friday. Let's say we get a good strong or even a moderate northwest wind and it dumps a lot of that water out and then the front comes in on Monday and dumps it even more, you could see really crazy low uh, water temps. They can get like two feet, two and a half feet below uh, MLLW, which is really, really low. I don't have any water in my boat slip when that happens. And so just as a precaution and because of the really cold temperatures, this weekend, well, Friday, I'm planning on pulling my boat out of the lift and putting it on the trailer and taking it into the boatyard to get JT and Mark and the boys to put the uh, put the annual maintenance uh, on it. So they're going to go through the motor and do the plugs and fuel filter and all the stuff that comes with that. They're going to grease the jack plate and clean it up real nice and all that. So I've had that that issue with my water pump that I talked about uh, a week ago, I guess it was. And I will still, it's been working, but I've pulled it out of the lift, uh, at least one time where it didn't want to pee until I throttled down. So I'm going to just talk to JT and Mark about it and see what they recommend doing. And we're going to get it all in tip top shape and ready for the spring because we're going to go hardcore in the spring. We're going to fish a lot of days. I'm hoping to have a lot of bookings. And uh, we got the Matagord Island trip that uh, I go on with the Salty Yak Pack with Carrie and, and that group. Me and Chris are going to go do that. And so uh, we need to be ready for all that. I need all the boat maintenance out of the way. I'm probably going to score an extra prop to take with me because of what happened last year on the Matagorda Island trip. I spun my prop and uh, spun it on the last day, thank God. So it didn't really affect the fishing. It just affected the trip home. And uh, But I'm going to have another one in the boat just in case that happens. So that is my plan for that. Now let's get to the topic at hand today, and that is social media and the impact that it has on the fishing community. I don't know about you, but I am immersed in several fishing-related groups on Facebook. I follow a lot of fishermen on Instagram and TikTok. And so my social media feed is, is fairly inundated with the outdoors in general, specifically fishing. But what it's done is it has turned what would be, uh, in many cases, what would be amateurs into, uh, into pros because it's not hard to take a rough day or a mediocre day on the water and turn it into a great social media post. I see it all the time. Uh, if you... See, if you start paying attention, sometimes you see, uh, you know, the pictures, different pictures of the same fish. Uh, some, sometimes you see uh, old pictures 
sometimes you see folks, um, you know, that, that will, you never here, here's a, I'm just going to lay on you a classic social media post. It always starts with, man, we had tough conditions today because no one ever wants to admit that it was easy, right? No one ever is going to look like, I don't know. We just got lucky today. It was easy and fish jumped in the boat. It's always like, man, we had tough conditions today. We're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, barometer issues and wind and tide and you, whatever, right? It's all against them. But we squeezed it out and they've got a stringer of three redfish that they're taking home. Or they've, you know, got a cleaning table with, you know, five trout and three redfish. Uh, that That's all well and good. And, you know, I have not been in the game. I've been fishing my whole life. I have not been in the redfish game long enough to even pretend for a second that I'm an expert on it. And that's not why I created this podcast. I created this podcast to help the guy that is going out this weekend, help that guy catch fish, the one that's working at the plant or selling insurance or, you know, wearing his tools every day. And he's got Saturday or Sunday to fish. I want that guy to know what's been going on on the water. Maybe it can help uh, that guy or girl uh, catch a, a few more fish. That's why I created the podcast. The secondary reason for creating the podcast for me was uh, conservation. To try to, you know, help promote the culture and mentality that you don't have to take home every fish you catch. There's fish at the grocery store. It's a losing financial experiment if you're if you're trying to feed yourself that way. A lot cheaper ways to to feed yourself. At the core root of it, we're all in it for the sport. We all do it because we love to do it. None of us are going, "Oh, the kids are hungry. I, I guess I'm I guess I got to go fishing uh this weekend." That if that's your situation, I would just say you probably hadn't put a whole lot of thought uh into it because you can you can obtain fish to eat a lot cheaper than actually going fishing. So so there's that but uh there are a lot of YouTubers and a lot of people on social media that are they're playing the game and they're taking a a two or three fish day and they're making it look like they have uh really just you know, slate them on whatever particular day. And, uh, I, it really doesn't matter to me. I just think it's very interesting that you have, uh, you have people out there that are trying to learn. They're trying to figure out how do I do this? I'm getting into it. Let's say you're, you're pretty new to it and you're kayak fishing or you just bought a boat and, and you're getting out there on the bay for the first time. Uh, there's just a lot of people on social media that are, are going to lead you down the wrong rabbit holes or, you know, make you think that, uh, they slayed it on a day that they weren't even on the water. I see it all the time. So, uh, what has happened is that we're all looking at 
We're all looking at people's social media going, man, like I was out today and and I didn't catch but two fish and Joe Blow, he was out today and he caught he caught six. Like, what the heck? What am I doing wrong? Let me just encourage you in that regard because I follow a, uh, I pay attention to the social media of several, several guys that I know are catching fish. I know they're on fish. I've fished with a lot of them before and I'm, you know, dialed into how they do what they do. And of those guys, I can go out. I've had days where I've gone out and slayed it. I had a day where uh, me and Paul and his buddy Drew were out and we caught uh, 13 redfish on the fly and a black drum and two flounder and a few trout. I mean, we had a 20 fish, uh, 20 some odd fish day. Um, 99% of those fish were caught on the fly. So it was a crazy good day. And I had guys that I knew were good fishermen that stayed on fish. And I saw posts from that day where they, they had a rough go. They didn't catch very many fish. Vice versa, I've had days where I've struggled. And then I've gotten on social media and I see a few of those guys that just hammered them that day. Maybe not hammered them, but like had a decent day. Caught, you know, caught enough fish to make it worthwhile. And so I say that to go, look, every area is different. And the Galveston ecosystem is different than the Freeport ecosystem. Freeport is different from Matagorda. Matagorda is different from Port O'Connor. Port O'Connor is different from, you know, on down the coast, Port Aransas and all that stuff. You'll notice as a delay effect, we were smoking them in December and then this, uh, this last week or so. And uh, you'll notice what we were having with the mullet and the and the water temps and the all this stuff happening on the flats, it's happening now in Port O'Connor and Port Aransas. And then it's going to phase out as the water cools off down there. But I would recommend to you to uh, know who you're following on social media and don't let the whole, um, you know, oh man, they, they slayed it today. Half of the time, I had a guy on my boat, I won't name names, he was a customer um, back when I first started. Uh, and I don't, I can't even remember if he was an actual customer or not, uh, but I, I remember fishing with this guy and I didn't really know him. Uh, and I, I had not met him before we had fished. And uh, we had a mediocre day. It was not anything to write home about. I think we caught... I think we caught three redfish that day and like one trout. And it was a day when I felt like we should have caught like six or seven or eight redfish. We only caught three. And uh super nice guy. And so don't hear me wrong. I'm not bashing this guy. Uh, that's not why I'm not saying his name. Uh, the guy was, uh, was an average angler, super nice guy. Uh, and he did not even intend, I don't believe, to do... Uh, to do this. He felt like we had a great day. His expectations were lower than mine. And catching three redfish and a trout made his day. 
and he posted about it on social media. And from his post, you would have taken away that we hammered him that day. And he was as happy as he could be about it. And I, I saw it and thought, man, I, I don't, like, I don't feel the same way about that trip. I feel like we kind of struggled that day. And, uh, and we only caught three fish in a time when we should have really hammered them. And so his expectations were different. He thought it was great. I thought it was mediocre. And that you see that playing out a lot on social media. It's not that people are always out there trying to fool you. Some of them are, uh, but, but not all of them. Some of them are just, they have different expectations. And uh, if they go out and catch three fish on a day when, you know, like I said, maybe I think we should have caught seven or eight. Uh, they catch three and they think, oh, like I'm I'm really good at this. Well, it it takes a lot of good and bad days mixed together over the course of, you know, a few years to start putting the puzzle together and, and figure out what is truly a good day and what, how to adjust your expectations with the seasons. And uh, social media has just ruined that uh, in the eye of the beholder because everyone uh, is posting the hero days. Nobody is posting the zero days. And so in an effort to try to change at least my little world um, when it comes to that, I am going to be as transparent as possible on social media. If I go out and uh, and we slay it, uh, you won't see me slay. You, I, I'm doing away with the posts that say, oh, we hammered them today and then post a few pictures of some of the fish we caught. When you see a post from me on Facebook or Instagram, it's mostly Instagram, uh, you'll see, hey, we caught four fish today. And then if I even, sometimes I don't have pictures of all four fish because some of them were 22 inches and nothing special about them and we just let them go. Uh, so, but you're going to start seeing, I'm going to post like, hey, we caught, you know, eight redfish and two trout. We caught one redfish and three flounder. Whatever we did uh, to try to normalize what's actually going on out there on the water. Because I think you can you can overhype it and you can either get people's hopes up or you can crush uh, their self-esteem because they went out and had a bad day. And they're not out on the water enough to realize what's normal for that time of year. And it, that goes back to why I started the podcast in the first place. Um, and so authenticity in my, in my book is king. If you have to be as authentic as possible, because if you think I'm going out there just hammering them every time, I'm not. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Nobody is. I have watched the best of the best do it. They're not going out there slaying it every time. It's just not possible. So um, look for those folks. You'll see what I'm talking about. Pay attention. I'm sure you probably are already. Um, and don't be one of those people like, Hey, if you go out and have a good day, great. We want to know how many fish you caught. We don't need you to drop a pin or anything, but you know, let us know what was really going on out there. And as a community, it helps everyone become a better angler because, uh, 
I can roll up to, it's like that day I was out with Reed, uh, my son. We saw 80 something redfish and only caught four. It's because he's learning. He, he had not sidecasted at that level with that clarity of water and those conditions before. And it takes some getting used to. The next time we go out, he'll be better at it. Um, and so the goal that I feel like social media has kind of messed up for us is is the growing and the learning and and climbing that rung on the ladder a little bit at a time. Because the better angler you become, the more you start to understand the ecosystem and how fragile it is, the more you start to realize how important it is that we take care of it. So that's our goal. That's what we're aiming at. And um, that's the level of clarity and authenticity I'm going to try to hold myself to um, as I move forward into 2024. So let's get on to the Bible tidbit. We're going to talk about alcohol today. We're going to talk about being a believer and also drinking alcohol. What does the Bible say about it? Should you do it? Is it wrong? Is it right? Here's the condensed form of, we could, again, we could do a whole podcast on this, but I'm not going to. Here's what the Bible says and what I believe to be true. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Most things in Scripture that talk about our behavior, talk about it in a way of, is it glorifying to God? And does it fit within the realm of self-control? Are you being self-controlled when you participate in whatever activity you're participating in? And does that activity bring glory to God? So if we, if we view alcohol through that lens and through the lens of the scripture in its totality, here's what we find. We find that the Bible speaks about, I'm going to use a form of alcohol, wine, because it is mentioned the most in the Bible. The types of uh, alcohol that you typically find mentioned in the Bible uh, would be wine and strong drink is what they call it. So is it okay? Well, that depends. It depends on whether or not you are capable of participating in the activity of drinking alcohol in a self-controlled manner. Because here's what happens in Scripture. The Bible, in the book of uh, Ezekiel, in the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Nehemiah, talks about wine as a blessing. It talks about wine as part of the harvest and how God will bless your... Deuteronomy, I can't remember what chapter... Uh, talks about God will bless your harvest of grain and wine and uh, and whatever other thing was they were harvesting, but uh, I don't have it right in front of me. But So it talks about wine as a blessing of the harvest. Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us to drink our wine with a merry heart because God has already approved of what you do. Um, the Bible talks about in uh, Paul's letters in the New Testament to do everything you do uh, unto the Lord in a way that honors the Lord. Now, the Bible speaks out 
time and time again about drunkenness. So, over and over, drunkenness is bad. Drunkenness is, um, you know, associated with God's wrath in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, In the Levitical priesthood, when uh, Aaron is getting his instruction from the Lord on the different facets of the priesthood, he tells him, uh, you and your sons do not drink wine when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. So he says, you have to make a distinction between the holy and the common. So there's a time and a place. Ecclesiastes makes us aware that there is a way to drink wine with a merry heart that uh, that can glorify God if you do it with a thankful heart and you do it within the confines of self-control. Now, if you are the kind of person that cannot do that, if you have a drink, you're going to have 12. Uh, I would say that you should completely steer clear of alcohol altogether. I would say the same if you do that with chocolate cake, uh, video games, um, fish, 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 no, not fishing. Um, you know, anything that you're addicted to, uh, that you have a tendency to be addicted to, you should steer clear from. Some people have addictive personalities. I know, uh, I have a friend of mine that, uh, quit drinking alcohol and he was off the deep end and, uh, completely went sober turned his life around. But if you put a gallon of ice cream in front of him, the dude is going to eat the whole freaking thing. And he's not a huge guy. He's like, but he has learned the, he has learned the art of self-control and he knows what to stay away from and what's okay for him to indulge in. You have to know that about yourself and you have to filter your actions through uh, those two uh, mediums. Is what I'm doing glorifying God? Uh, and am I able to participate in this with a, a, a manner of self-control? Uh, Romans, uh, the book of Romans chapter uh, 15 and 16. Before I just go right out and say that I'm looking it up, you would think I'd be prepared for uh, these things a little better, but um, that's not how I roll. Uh, yeah, so 15 and then... Uh, chapter 16, no, just 15. So if you look at Romans 15, uh, you're going to get a good example of uh, 14 and 15. That's what it was. I knew it was two chapters. Um, Romans chapter 14 and 15. Sorry about that. Read those two chapters. It talks less about the actual drinking of alcohol and more about um, understanding um, your own conscience. If you do something and believe in your own mind and heart that it's a sin, uh, then then it's a sin for you to do that thing because you're you're doing you're not doing it in good faith in a way that honors God. So that's my two cents uh, from a fisherman, not a theologian. So you can take it with whatever grain of, of salt you want. But I think that if you do some digging into that, you're going to find that that uh, 
my opinion on that is fairly theologically sound. So um, that's it for me. If you want to get a hold of me, empty stringers at Gmail, uh, TikTok empty underscore stringers. And then, uh, no, that was Instagram, empty underscore stringers. And then the TikTok is empty stringers. Um, I love to get your emails. Come on with it. I enjoy it. I get I got emails, uh, an email from a guy, Mike Smith. Thanks for reaching out. He said, hey, listen to the podcast. I only had this particular day to go fishing. We went out. We we had luck. Uh, we did some things we wouldn't have done because we were listening to the podcast and took your advice and we uh, we caught fish. So I love it. I want to hear it. Uh, it. That email in particular came at a great time because I'd just been skunked and I felt like I didn't know anything about redfish at all. So appreciate that. Uh, Kevin's outside and Kevin's custom painted lures. Uh, you can find his custom painted lures at fish sticks. Uh, you can go on his website, uh, find him on social media, follow him. He's a good one. Uh, check out his baits. He does some really, really cool custom painted baits. Um, Sabine Skiffs, if you would like to take a ride on the Sabine, you don't have to book me for a trip. We just have to make it work beneficial to uh, to each of us. I'll take you for a joy ride. I'll let you see what the boat can do. Uh, we'll put it to the test. If you're thinking about buying one, if you uh, need to know how to get in touch with the folks over at Sabine, I can put you in touch with Brian. Just reach out to me. I will make the connection there. Uh, other than that, I've been listening to the uh, Village Church Matt Chandler uh, podcast. His sermons are up there. I've been listening to uh, the Bear Grease podcast, the Salty Yak podcast. Um, the Paddler's Playbook is going to have a new episode out soon, I'm told, and so be looking for that. And I hope you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.